0: So we, um, we're currently in a message series called Parenting by Design, and may- maybe you're asking the question, why, why a parenting series? Um, you know, as Faith and I uh, think back to uh, our lives together and even before that, um, we've been fortunate enough to have some uh, great men and women who've invested in our lives, have poured into our lives, and we've been able to see uh, from a point um, what healthy parenting looks like. You know, again, we talked about last week how uh, no parent is perfect and none of us get it right all the time. But I remember thinking before we had kids, it was such a blessing for our lives to hear some of the things that we heard. So I would say that if you're here today and you don't have kids, uh, these things are very applicable for your lives uh, today. If, if you're here today and you're in a similar season that maybe Faith and I are in, you have young kids at home, uh, these are things that you can take home and apply immediately and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like a lot of the messages, you, you take that with you and, you and you can apply it. And then, you know, we've had a great time talking with our uh, joy small group, just over young, is, is what they call themselves on, on Monday morning. And uh, a lot of, I would say a lot, every person in that group, you know, uh, no longer has young kids at home. Uh, they might have grandkids and things like that. But uh, we've talked a whole lot about how it's so important for that older generation uh, to have that platform to share and talk about uh, some of the successes and maybe some of the areas that uh, were not so much a success when it came to parenting, and to be able to share that with a younger generation. So I would say that that, you know, why a series on parenting? Well, um, out of anything that we could talk about, this might be uh, the, the most um, applicable and the most uh, timely, you know, for where our church is at right now, um, is a series on parenting. So last week, if you remember, if you were here, we talked about the most important factor in parenting. Now, that's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? To say that there's one thing uh, that far outweighs the rest, the most important factor. You know, as parents, there are a lot of life lessons and skills that we, we can and we should teach our kids. But as we go to God's word, we're reminded that uh, really the most important factor in parenting is for the parent to have a personal and sincere faith in Christ. And that, that should far outweigh everything else. And remember, again, we said that no parent is perfect, but and that as, as people who are in Christ, as followers of Jesus, we can rely on a perfect Savior as we parent, as we influence the younger generation for Jesus. Um, you know, I believe that we have this, this God-given responsibility to impress faith on our kids. And we looked at that word last week, impress, and maybe as you look at that from the outside in, it can appear as though the word impress is a forceful thing. But in fact, it means that we leave a lasting impression by the way that we live our lives. And, you know, faith is is caught by the younger generation, as well as taught. And we we always have younger eyes watching us. Whether you know it or not, you have young eyes watching uh, almost your every move, especially when the church comes together on Sunday. I don't know if you've noticed, but lately there's been a lot of kids, you know, running around the church building, and it's just been a joy to see, amen? It's been been a good thing to see. Um, We always have kids, uh, young eyes, watching us. So it's important... That we allow those younger eyes to see that number one, we aren't perfect; <laughs> we don't get it right every time. Um, but the other side to that coin is that we do rely on a perfect Savior. You know, it's important that they see the struggle. It's important that they see how we grow in our relationship with Christ, so that we're not modeling um, a uh, a faith that's not sincere. You know, a faith that's not personal. So today we're going to talk about another important aspect of parenting, and I'm not going to lie. Um, I hope I never lie to you, but I might someday, um, but this, this topic <laughs> this topic has been weighing on me all week because it's one of those things that you just, I know God wants me to say, and it's, it's just really hard to talk about. Um, so I, I want to start by saying this, that the the main point that we're going to talk about today is that as parents, it's our job to parent the heart of our children and not just their behavior. Um, that's scriptural, and we're going to talk about that, but that we parent the heart of our kids and not just their behavior. Um, There's a book that was handed down to Faith and myself, uh, my wife, in case you didn't know her name's Faith. Um, I did a sermon once called Big Faith, and she happened to be pregnant at the time, so (laughs) I have to clarify that as much as I can. (laughs) So there was a book that was handed down to us, and maybe you've read it, maybe you haven't. It's called Shepherding a Child's Heart uh, by Ted Tripp, and this book has been so influential For us, um, just with having some of those foundational parenting uh, tips. And it was given to us by a pastor and his wife that we value their parenting style, Um, we value their leadership, and how they have been mentors in our lives, and and really how they live out their faith. So I want to say just right off the back that um, some of the points that are going to be in today's message have come uh, from this book. Um, they've been adapted, uh, I guess you would say, uh, just because this book has been so influential. But um, I would also say this, like anything that we hear, um, like anything that we, we see, it's important as followers of Jesus that we test those cr- uh, truth claims against God's word. And you know, we have a responsibility as followers of Jesus to make sure that what we take in is from God and, and not the world. Um, and it's no different when it comes to, to parenting tips. You know, we we live in a time and a place where there are so many loud voices addressing just about every issue under the sun, right? You know, we turn our TV on and, and we hear it in, in politics or we, we open a book or a newspaper and people seem to to think they have the answers for everything, right? You know, and... So it's important that, especially when it comes to parenting, that when we hear those voices that offer advice, parenting tips, even making truth claims about what right parenting should look like, um, that we test those against God's word. And I would say this, you know, because parenting is so challenging, you know, because we have that fear behind parenting and we, we want to get it right, um, it's easy for uh, for us to grab a hold of the first resource that we see and it's easy to elevate that um, to truth when it comes to parenting. So as a church, I would say this, that we, we believe that Scripture is God's revelation to us, that all of God's Word is, is 100% authoritative and inspired by God. And it's in God's Word that we learn how every single person has been created as an image bearer of God. And we learn about a God who has infinite knowledge and, and wisdom. And whose direction can be trusted in every single area of our lives, even when it comes to parenting. I would say especially when it comes to parenting. So when we talk about this idea today of parenting the heart of our children and not just their, their behavior, we have to start with God's word so that we have a firm foundation to build from. Now, in his book, um, Shepherding a Child's Heart, um, author Ted Tripp talks about how parenting can, and maybe you can relate to this, it can often feel like a rudderless ship without a compass, All right? Imagine that in your mind, that word picture for a second, that parenting can often feel like a rudderless ship without a compass. I know I've been there. Many parents have been there. What he's saying is that without the right set of tools as parents, um, we're only going to get so far. And maybe you could say we can't expect to get very far at all without the right kind of tools. You know, God's Word is our rudder. God's Word is our compass as we navigate the difficult and challenging waters of parenting and and grandparenting. So with that in mind, I want to open in a word of prayer, and then we're going to just dive right in uh, to the Scripture this morning. Uh, Father, I just ask for your blessing over our time together today. Um, as we talk about this difficult subject of parenting the heart of our children and not just their behavior, that we would be given an accurate picture of the human heart through your word and that we would begin to view things with a biblical worldview um, and not maybe some of the louder voices that we hear in our culture today. Lord, I pray that the things that we say, what we talk about uh, would be for your glory and for our good. Help us be open to uh, how you choose to move in our lives today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So the first thing we're going to talk about this morning, if you're taking notes, is this. The very first point is that a child's behavior is a reflection of his or her heart. Okay? That a child's behavior is a reflection of his or her heart. Uh, Mitzi just read Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 23. We'll reread that real quick. Um, It says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Um, Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them, and healing to their whole body. Um, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So the book of Proverbs uh, is believed to have been largely written by Solomon, and we know that all of God's word is written under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And really the main purpose behind the book of Proverbs is to teach people how to obtain the right kind of wisdom as they live the life that God's called them to live. And there, there's a key verse that really teaches this point in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, a Fear of the Lord is foundation of true knowledge or wisdom, but fools uh, despise wisdom. Fools despise discipline. So we're going to talk about wisdom and discipline today a little bit. But I want to say this, that this this verse, this idea really echoes what we talked about last week, how the most important factor in parenting is a personal and sincere faith in Jesus. And that personal and sincere faith is foundational for obtaining the right kind of wisdom in our lives. And as Christians, we would call that God's wisdom. That's the kind of wisdom that we want, right? And we don't want the, the worldly wisdom, the wisdom that the world has to offer. We want God's wisdom in our lives. Um, Proverbs chapter 4, what, what's on the screen, is a great word picture that illustrates an important truth about all of our lives, not just our children. Right? This is for every person here today, and, and that is that our behavior in life comes from what's already in our hearts. Here's where things get a little difficult. Uh, there are other places in, in God's Word that teach this as well. Luke chapter 6, verse 45, uh, we'll have that up on the screen. It says that a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, echoes it well. Maybe, maybe in, a, in a harder way to, to, to take in, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things. The word all doesn't mean some things, it means all things. <laughs> you know, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? This is talking about the human condition, the human heart. You know, God's word makes it very clear um, why we see wrong behavior in the lives of our kids. It's a matter of the heart. Our hearts have been inclined towards sin since the moment we were born. Every person has been born with a sin nature. And every person falls short of God's perfect standard because of that. But because of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross, um, we have an opportunity to be made right with God through Christ. Um, Romans chapter 5 in the New Testament is probably the best chapter in its entirety that explains this. Now, I went back and forth this week whether I wanted to read part of this, because again, it's, it's long, but I, I decided that I should. And if we could spend our time um, anyway, it would be just reading God's word. So I would ask this morning that as I read this, you allow God's word um, to speak to your life. All right, Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 21 says these words when when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol A representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God even though we're guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace And his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. That's where we talk about how we're no longer under the authority of sin. We're under the authority of Christ if you're in Christ. And we'll continue here, and we're almost done with this. Um, Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But Because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought death to them, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And everyone said... Amen. All of these verses that we've read this morning, they bring so much clarity um, to the condition of the human heart. But I would say for this topic of conversation, so much clarity to the role of parenting. They teach us that behavior has never uh, and is never the the main issue. The issue has always been the human heart. You know, my wife and I, we get sidetracked by our kids' behavior all the time. All right, here's an example. Um, and it causes us to lose focus of the real issue so so here 's the example we'll, we put our kids to bed about every night around seven thirty eight o'clock right We have a bedtime we have routine in our house and uh we tuck them into bed and we explain to them every single night, every night, that they're not allowed to get, out, uh, get up from bed for any reason other than an emergency. All right. So using the restroom, if someone's bleeding. And uh, we ask them these questions when they get up. Is someone bleeding? Do you need to use the restroom? But it's inevitable that one or more of our kids sneak out of bed numerous times, almost every single night. And, and they do that to get up and play with toys. They sneak into the kitchen for a snack. And here's the thing, they have to get to the kitchen uh, through the living room. And that's where Faith and I are sitting. It's almost like they don't think we see them, all right? And last night, I kid you not, we're sitting on the couch, and we're watching TV. And I look over, and I see Phillips, and he's crawling like an army crawl on the ground, our three-year-old, underneath Faith's chair. And I'm talking to him, and Faith's looking down the hallway like I'm a crazy person because she can't see our kid. But he's made it, like, halfway. And I thought, you know, I, I should just give this one to him. You know, he's tried, he's tried so hard. <laughs> but here's, here's the thing. Faith and I, we, we give them clear instructions as their parents um, to stay in bed. That's the instruction. That's what we expect of them. And they choose to to disobey. They choose to, to get out of bed. And, you know, I, I remember being a kid. All right, I remember when, when I went to bed, sometimes you're just not tired, right? Sometimes your, your, your mind is still going and you want to get up and play. And why does mom and dad get to stay up? You know, we've had that question a, a lot. And we've probably had some great answers and there's probably some not great answers for that. But when, when, when our kids disobey, here, here's the point that I'm trying to make, is that it's, it's easy for us to just address the behavior and not take the time that's needed to help them understand why they chose that specific behavior, uh, to help them understand the decision uh, that was made. You know, for many of us, our behavior is, is like the alarm that we hear ringing. All right. Now the alarm goes off here at the church. Uh, it's gone off like two or three times since I've worked here. The kids will be in the preschool, and I don't know if you've noticed, but we have little alarms around the entire building. So I'll be sitting in my office, and I'll hear the alarm, and I'm not kidding—I jump out of my seat. You know, it's that scary. It's so and it's loud. I almost have to leave the room. So our kids' behavior is almost like the alarm that we hear going off. It's it's annoying, <laughs> right? And we want to do whatever we can to just turn off the alarm. But think about an alarm for a second because alarms serve a greater purpose. They inform people, and I would say in this case parents, of the actual threat that exists behind the alarm. As parents, I believe that scripture teaches that it's our job to find the problem and find ways to help our kids recognize the problem or the reason for the alarm. So, what's the problem? And that, that really leads us into the second point, and that is that a child's needs grows deeper than their behavior. You know, wrong behavior doesn't just happen, all right? It doesn't just happen. Every, every single act of disobedience, every outburst of anger or hurtful words that are said, they reflect what's already going on in the heart of our kids. And I would say in our, in our hearts as well. When we decide ahead of time that we're going to address the real need that exists and not just the behavior that we see or not just turn the alarm off, we can begin to help our kids get to the root of what's really going on in their lives. So if, if all we're after is a change in behavior, if that was our goal, if we see the alarm going off, if we see the behavior of our kids, and our only goal was to, to help them not have that kind of behavior, I want to suggest something to you this morning. We're setting our kids up to live like Pharisees. You say, well, Craig, that's kind of harsh. That's the reality. Here's what I mean by that. You know, if all we ask them to do is fix their behavior instead of focusing on the need behind the behavior, we help them develop a counterfeit faith, not that personal and sincere faith that we talked about last week. A great example of this, probably my favorite, is in Matthew chapter 23, verses 25 and 26. Jesus, in in this scenario here, he says, What sorrows await you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Now, he's not talking to parents right now. He's actually talking to Pharisees and and, and teachers of religious law. He says, you hypocrites, uh, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence, you blind Pharisee. First wash the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Jesus, in this scene that we're given is condemning the Pharisees and religious leaders in his day because they were great at making people think that they had a strong relationship with God by the way that they looked on the outside and and by the way they behaved. It was all about behavior, making sure that you got all 600 plus uh, man-made rules right, you know, making sure that when people saw you they thought highly of you. And Jesus is saying, you can work so extremely hard by having the right kind of behavior and still have a heart that doesn't love and honor God on the inside. I would say it's that way in our churches as well. We can work so hard at making sure that we look the part. We can work so hard to make sure we have the right kind of behavior. But the issue is still the heart. teaches that behavior is the main issue instead of a heart that needs to be changed by Jesus. That's what happens if we only address the the behavior of our children. It's like washing the outside of the cup and leaving the inside of the cup dirty. I don't want you to hear this and think that right behavior is not important. Because there's, again, another side of this coin. I, I believe with all my heart that God demands certain type of behaviors from us as followers of Christ. But if all we're addressing is the behavior, then we neglect the root cause of the behavior. When we, I would say when we begin to notice wrong behavior in our kids' lives, our responsibility as parents and as grandparents passing that down to, to our children is to help them ask the right kinds of questions that will help expose the attitude of the heart that leads to wrong behavior. So consider consider this scenario for just a moment as an example of maybe how you can begin to ask the right kind of questions um, to the young people that always have eyes on us. So one of your kids or grandkids decides to take a cookie out of the kitchen after you've already told them they can't have any more. All right, There's a huge theme of cookies in our house, and there's a reason for that. You know, you've given them what they can have, and, and and you tell them they're not allowed to have any more. So instead of asking them the question, did you steal a cookie? All right, You already know the answer to that, right? You can skip that step and ask, why did you decide to steal? All right, What that does is it it skips over the first question and you don't give your kids an opportunity to lie about it. Do you see that? That's been huge for us. So we catch our kids doing something and instead of saying, did you do this? Well, we already know the answer to that. You can skip the first question and get directly to the heart. Why did you decide to do that? Another question that moves past behavior and addresses the heart is, what could you have done differently? Again, you've been caught. And I'm thankful for God's grace that you have been caught because then your heart wouldn't have been given over harder to sin. Sometimes it's great that we're caught in our sin. And I would say all the time it is. And thankful, I'm thankful for God's grace in that. Because then our hearts aren't given over to that sin more and more. Then we don't develop hard hearts because of that. And I don't, I don't want to see that in our kids as well. You know, this helps them think through right and wrong and helps them consider other options. So so the first point we talked about, you know, is a child's behavior is a reflection of his or her heart. And that goes for everybody. And then a child's needs grow deeper than their behavior. And it's our jobs as parents to help get to the root cause of that behavior. And the third thing is this, is that a child's discipline should result in discipleship. And this is probably, I believe this is the biggest. A child's discipline should result in discipleship. The root word for discipline is disciple- You know, we've talked about how a disciple is someone who's always learning from Jesus, to live like Jesus. And we're continually being molded into the people that God has has intentionally made us to be. We're being transformed. And when we discipline our kids, uh, discipline is never fun, right? I, I think we all agree with that. In fact, the process can be quite painful, but when we discipline with an end result in mind, when we're able to look down the end of the tunnel and see a destination point, when we begin the discipline with a destination in mind, that discipline takes the form of discipleship. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, really the entire chapter, um, deals with this idea that as followers of Jesus, I don't, I don't know if you knew this, but we are disciplined as followers of Jesus. God disciplines us as his children. And there's a reason that he does. And in fact, in that discipline, it's, it's proof in our lives, that God loves us, that He cares for us. So just one of the verses from there, it says, No, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's actually painful. But afterward there will be a, a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Again, this section of scripture gives a clear picture of God's love towards us as his adopted children. And the question could be asked when we, we begin to understand God through those lenses is that who, who loves their children more? Parents who allow their children to have wrong p- behavior without correction or the ones who correct, train, and discipline their children so that discipleship is taking place? The, the verses prior to verse 11 and, and also following teach us that God disciplines us as his children and that when we view discipline through the lens of Scripture, and that might require us taking off the set of glasses that we're already wearing that views discipline through the lens of culture. All right? Because when we view discipline through the lens of Scripture, we begin to see that discipline was meant to be a good thing. Our culture right now teaches us that discipline is a bad thing. And when we hear that from culture uh, when it, in regards to parenting, that in parenting, there, you know, we, we shouldn't discipline our kids. Then, as followers of Jesus, when we're disciplined by God, that distorts our view of God. And we should begin to view discipline how God has created discipline to be viewed, and that is that it's a good thing, that there's a perfect for it, because when discipline is done right, there's a season of right living that follows. It addresses the heart and not the behavior. God's discipline is proof of his love. And I would say that as we discipline our kids, that's proof of our love as well. Again, we te- we live in a culture that teaches that discipline is, is bad, but God's word teaches us that discipline is good. And I would say that in our home, um, discipline has changed um, as we've grown, but also as our kids have grown as well. And a question that, that we do get, I wouldn't say often, but time to time is, what does discipline look like in your home? <laughs> All right, talk about like pulling the curtains back and just being fully exposed, right? Because um, sometimes thing ha- things happen beh- behind the walls of your homes that you don't want to talk about, especially when it comes to discipline. So when we get it right, and I'll say this, that we're not perfect, and, and a lot of times we get it wrong. But when we get it right, there's some biblical principles um, that are always present in discipline. And I want to share those with you this morning. There's three things if you're taking notes. The first is that we, we try to not discipline out of anger. All right, so when we're disciplining our kids for discipleship, we try to not discipline out of anger. You know, th- this is easier said than done, right? Your kids do something and it frustrates you uh, to the end, all right? And you react because of that anger. So if I'm angry because of something that my kids have done, I try to pass the discipline off to my wife and allow her to do that. <laughs> you, you laugh, but that's, I'm, I'm dead serious. And if she's angry at something our kids have done, she'll pass that off to me because we don't want to discipline out of anger. And again, we don't get this right all the time. But we don't want to lead that way. The second thing is that we try and ask questions that lead back to the heart instead of asking questions that give our kids a platform to lie uh, to our face. So instead of asking if they did something wrong, we ask why they chose to do it. And this addresses the heart and the motives behind the behavior. And then we're able to have that conversation of why it was right or why it was wrong. The third thing is this, and this is so huge, um, we heard this as young parents, and this has made a huge difference in parenting, and that is that we try to discipline in private so that our kids aren't humiliated. I want to say that again. We, we try to discipline in private so that our kids aren't humiliated. Um, discipline is supposed to draw our kids closer to us. Remember, um, if, if God's discipline towards us draws us closer to himself, if it's, um, if it's evidence of his love for us, our discipline towards our kids should be the same discipline is, again, it's supposed to draw them towards us. And and in this way, discipline is discipleship. So I would say that screaming and yelling at our kids in public, it only makes them angry towards us instead of showing them that we care enough to take the time to help them understand the heart issue behind the behavior. All right, so... Say we're in the grocery store, right? That's one of the hardest places to not discipline in public, right? <laughs> Your kids do something, and it, it takes everything in you, especially if you're by yourself. And I would say, too, you know, we have, we have a team. We're able to do that, but not every home has that. You know, we live in a culture in, in a day and age today where mom and dad might not be present. So how do you, how do you begin to do that? You know, if you, if you take the, the situation in the store, we've talked about, well, as hard as it is, You know, we tell them that there's going to be a conversation, and then we stick to our word. You know, because you're you're driving home sometimes, and it's like, all right, when we get home, you know, X, Y, and Z is happening. And then you get home, and sometimes you don't follow through, right? Follow through is extremely important that when you tell your kids you're going to do something, you do it. So we say that, you know, we're going to have this conversation at this time. And again, we don't get it right all the time. But when we do, and we we make sure that we don't discipline in in public, because we don't want to humiliate them. Right, and I would say too, like with our kids' classrooms, if you serve in the and our kids' classrooms, we're actually working right now on a discipline policy for our church, um, for our kids, just a guideline for teachers. Like, cause sometimes we discipline one way at home, but how do we do that at church? What's the right way? You know, and what's a way that's going to honor the moms and dads in our church and and really um, follow their example um, in, in in that type of discipline? So, I would say this that. When we choose, when, when kids are in classes, we, we pull them aside away from the group. You know, we, we take the time to talk with them. We don't just outburst in anger. It's the same thing with our kids. You know, when something's going on with the group of them, we'll pull them aside. We go to another room, and we'll sit, and we'll talk. We'll talk through that, and we'll ask those questions of what leads to the heart. So God, God's Word teaches us that all behavior um, is linked to the heart. And I would say this this morning, that if you've been struggling as a parent, If you've been struggling as a grandparent, you're seeing things in the scope of your family um, that are are just not, they're disheartening, they're not healthy, and you want to see a change, I want to suggest three things in closing that you can do today to start initiating the kind of change that you know God wants in your home. Um, The first thing is this, and it was actually read uh, this morning, and we talked about it last week. I think God's telling us something, is that you should pray about this situation. Uh, in Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven, it says, don't worry about anything and said, pray about everything. Now, I won't get into it, Bill, but your comment about uh, the Apostle Paul this morning and that if he might have been on something when he wrote this, you have really set the bar high for the rest of us now. So <laughs> we can we can say whatever we want, I guess, up here. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of church you're in today. no. Um, it's don't worry about anything. said, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. And it's that peace that his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So I would say the first step today, and I know this is, it sounds kind of cliche, but prayer should be our first line of defense, not our last. And as a parent or a grandparent, if you're frustrated today, pray about the situation. Ask God to intervene. Give him, give him what's on your heart. The second thing is, is that you should seek wise counsel. This is so huge. Um, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Or one friend sharpens another. And then in Proverbs chapter 12, verses 15, it says, um, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. I would ask this question this morning, a rhetorical question. Are you a person that listens to advice? Or do you only like to toot your own horn and listen to your own advice? You know, as parents, it's so huge that we listen to the wisdom of those who've gone before us. And I would say for the older generation in the church today, um, this is a huge role that you can play. You've been through difficult seasons. You've been through great seasons. And collectively, as the church, you can pass that wisdom down to a younger generation. And I would even encourage you to seek those people out. Offer that support. Offer that encouragement. Finally, and this is really practical, is that you can start with one area of parenting. You know, change in any area of our lives is a process. It doesn't just happen overnight. And we're actually, we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week in our, in our last week. We're going to talk about important parenting principles. Say that three times fast. <laughs> but we're going to talk about some biblical principles that are extremely important in our lives as we parent. So start with one area of parenting. You know, it's easy to leave and, and think, man, are our home is a mess right now. We've got this that we're dealing with, and we, we have this that we're dealing with, and our, our grandkids are doing this. And, you know, start with one area and take a season to pray about that. Seek wise counsel about that and address that one area, right? Change doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. So in closing, I'd say this, that, you know, I, I truly believe that um, we are called to parent the heart of our, ki- our kids and not just their behavior. Behavior is important but the heart is more important. As we leave today, just remember that a child's behavior is a reflection of his or her heart and that a child's needs grow deeper than their behavior. And as parents, it's our job to get to the root cause of that behavior. And then finally, a child's discipline should result in discipleship. We've had to take a hard look at discipline in our home over, over the years. We've had great seasons and not so great seasons. We have to keep that in mind, that the goal of discipline is discipleship. The goal of discipline is to draw our kids closer to us, not push them away. But discipline is important, and discipline is good, despite what culture tells you.